Hey there, Beyond Synth fans. Today's episode of the show is brought to you by Midwave. That's right, you might remember Midwave because I talked to Kyle Brock last episode. Well, this is the debut record from NIFF award-nominated Chicago indie dance band Midwave, produced by Dan Konopka of OK Go, and featuring remixes and alternate versions from Konopka, Jasper Byrne, you remember him from Hotline Miami and Lone Survivor, and Moon, you know them from Hotline Miami, KFDDA, and more. Standard edition available on all major digital retailers, or physical copies or downloads of the deluxe edition available on Bandcamp now. That's Midwave, midwave.bandcamp.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Ghost. That's right, Ghost, G-O-S-T, the happiest skeleton in synthwave music. He's got a new three-song EP that is releasing soon with remixes by Moth, Perturbator, and Tommy86. This release will be the first of two EPs with remixes and an LP that will follow shortly. Remember to follow Ghost on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash ghost1980s, which is G-O-S-T-1980-S. For release dates, the video for Behemoth and new Ghost Possessions very, very soon. Thanks to Andy for sharing, that's me. And, uh, as always, Hail Balbereth! And if you're wondering who Balbereth is, he's some sort of demon whose name I've pronounced incorrectly. So please give those albums a listen and pick them up because they are going to be cool. Is it okay if I call EPs albums? It's okay by me. Anyways, let's start the show. Welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth. My name is Andy Last. This is a show where I interview artists and producers who make uh, synth wave music, uh, new retro, outrun, 80s inspired tracks, all that good stuff. And uh, I also will just interview anybody as well. I always need to remind the audience of that, that eventually there is going to be shows where I interview like uh, video game designers and things like that, uh, because I just want to talk to people who uh, I find interesting. And uh, that's that. So who am I? My name is Andy Last. I host the show. Uh, one of the most common questions I get 
is who does the theme song for Beyond Synth. Well, that man is Ogre, and the song is called Sure Thing off the album Calico Brawn. So if you go to Bandcamp, check out Ogre's Bandcamp, the album Calico Brawn. It's a great album. It was like the second album I heard when I discovered the synthwave. I've been through this story a million times with all my guests. You know, I started listening with Perturbator and uh, found Calico Brawn because of the synthwave tag and was like, holy shit, it's like one of the best albums. And Sure Thing is one of my favorite songs of all time. I love it. So if you're wondering, that is the title of the song, all right? And the artist is Ogre. And if you want to know more about them, you can check out the very first episode of Beyond Synth on SoundCloud, where I talked to him, and he also popped up several other times, I believe in episode four, and, well, he popped up again. But anyways, the last time he popped up, we talked about beard oil, which is a kind of conditioner you can uh, massage into your beard to uh, make it nice and soft. Just to get some business out of the way, please uh, like the Beyond Synth Facebook page, that always is nice. You can follow me on Twitter, I'm at Andy Last. You can uh, friend me on Facebook. I'm Andy Synth on there. I will be your friend. I'm a nice guy. Sure, if you say stupid shit, I might unfollow you, but I'll still be your friend. I mean, you know, uh, what else? Uh, What else do I do? Oh, SoundCloud, right? All the episodes are now hosted on SoundCloud. The website is still down. And um, as I've just realized, the iTunes is also down too because all the links are broken because the website got taken down. So that's something I'm going to work on. So if you're wondering where the iTunes links are. I don't know. They're gone because I need to connect SoundCloud to iTunes. Or at least I'll get my tech guy on it, which means me, which means it'll never get done. So my point there is please follow the SoundCloud where all the shows are hosted. And also, if you do like the show and you listen on SoundCloud, please uh, be as active on there as possible. If you like the episode, please uh, press like, please share, uh, please comment, you know, uh, do all that stuff. It's a lot of fun. I'll respond to the comments uh, if you have any questions or whatever. Uh, It's just nice to see a lot of activity uh, happening on the show. And of course, you know, the more activity that goes on allows me to, uh, you know, approach more varied guests and say, look at this. There's this active community of Beyond Synth fans who are really uh, positive and, and really appreciative of the show. And that is all I have to say about that. On the show today is Magic Sword. Magic Sword is really cool. And uh, I really don't have anything else to say, so let's now go to my conversation with Magic Sword.
I've had that conversation with other people too, just how it's important for me to be able to gravitate to a, a particular song. And it's, it's great when a whole release is all awesome tracks, but I think it's really important when there is that standout awesome song, then I keep going back to the album and I'll listen to that track and eventually start, you know, absorbing all the tracks that surround it. Like, so with, with, with Magic Sword, when I heard In the Face of Evil, that's what sucked me in then I would sort of listen to the whole album like around it. That's the way I listen to music. Like I need, I need a target to, to hone in on. Laserhog gave me great feedback on that one, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. He sent me a nice message on SoundCloud, which I thought was really awesome because I hadn't listened to his stuff for a while and I'd never talked to him or met him or anything like that. And when he got done with Skull and Shark, he sent me a message saying, I don't, you know, I don't really listen to music um, when I'm writing, but... One of the first things I listened to when I finished the record was, you know, your record and in the face of evil. I'm just like, wow, dude, fuck. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, dude. Like, to me, that was a big deal. Like, none of my friends really give a shit. But to me, that guy's like a big deal to me. I was just like, oh, fuck, dude. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I was so happy when this uh, when this genre sort of popped up because there's so many. Like, Laserhawk, is, he's really talented. Like, I really want to have him on the damn show. But he's because, <laughs> like, like, to me, it's funny because everybody has their, their target points, right? I, jo- I, I found out about the scene later on. So you'll always see a lot of guys talking about, you know, Mitch Murder, Miami Nights 1984 and Laserhawk and stuff because they were sort of like the first kind of ones, like the big ones in the scene. And for me, it's like I gravitate towards the first guys I heard in the scene. So like Ogre, who does like the theme song for the podcast, he was one of the first albums I heard and Perturbator and stuff. So I don't have the same connection to some of the other guys that some of the people do, like Mitch Murder and stuff, because I just never I didn't find out about Mitch Murder till later. So that's that's kind of the way it was with a lot of people. Like I have my touchstones that are just sort of like the first people I discovered. And uh, definitely Laserhawk was one of them, though. I didn't even know about this whole scene. I, I had this idea to do this record, and I thought that this was just this great cool original idea and i was like ho ho i'm so i'm so clever this Mm -hmm. is gonna be great yeah and then i get on soundcloud and it's like there's just all these dudes who have been doing this forever and i'm just like dang it yeah (laughs) (laughs) dang it there's i'm not as original as i thought but i i mean in a way i thought it was so cool because like oh my god you know there's all these guys out there that were into the same stuff that was just you know basically inspired by my childhood so when i found these guys i thought it was just such a cool thing and i was really accepted by a lot of really cool people like i i just like got plunged headfirst into this community and realized that there's like all these people who just you know are so fucking cool and do all this really cool music and and you know it was a pleasant surprise to find out that there was just all these really great musicians doing doing this kind of music it's nice just because there's a lot of sort of like minds because obviously if this is sort of the music that people are putting out then it you know there is a sort of a commonality of what people enjoy and and uh, the inspirations for the music and stuff like you know like the 80s movies and the cartoons and the music and the video games and all that and so it's 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 nice when people are like making references to these things and everybody sort of understands the references and it's cool. It's a nice place. Yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, uh, I'm here at this very moment with Magic Sword and the man behind Magic Sword. How's it going? Very well. I will uh, let the audience know that we actually had a false start and we did actually start recording about half an hour ago. I was concerned about sound problems, which may or may not have been resolved. 
and uh, we're doing it again. So if this beginning feels a little phony, it's because we, we've already sort of talked for about like five minutes, right? Is that what we did? Or 15 or 20, but yeah. <laughs> did we? <laughs> oh, shit, and I'm throwing all that out? Oh, man. I mean, I mean, yes. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. So, man, tell me about the whole uh, ethos behind the magic sword, because it's more than just about making, like, electronic music, right? Yeah, I mean, to us it is. I think it kind of started out only as a music project, and then as I started to meet the people who are in the project, it kind of just became this thing, I guess is the best way to describe it. (laughs) We just decided to, like, build this story and, and take it to the next level, and where we just, like you know, feed off each other and write, and we decided to write a story. And now we have like this big world that we've built and we're trying to tell it through music and art. So explain what all those, what all those elements are for people who don't know what the magic sword's about. Like, so you, you have the music thing. There was also like uh, a comic book, right? Cause I got like a page of that with the album, right? Like there was a PDF. Yeah. So what we've decided to do, I think, and, and what we're mostly inspired by was like, fantasy film and comics of the of the 80s late 70s heavy metal stuff like that we kind of got together and had this idea to like build this story of something that we really wanted to tell we wanted to do something that was epic basically so we got together we wrote this plot this story which we can't really tell you what it is but it's a story of good versus evil you can say the beginning right like is that that's official. Like, isn't isn't there like the first issue of the comic? Like, does that exist? Yeah, and so that that that's getting ready to be put out there, and it kind of is out there in a, in a way. We haven't put it out digitally yet, but basically, what it describes is like the beginning of of the story, which is there's a guy, and we call him the keeper of the sword, and he bestows onto people of need the magic sword, which will help them to slay evil or do whatever they need to do in that moment of need. So, you know, there's a little girl in a village and her village is being slaughtered and he shows up in the moment of need, gives her this magic sword and she just kills everyone. <laughs> that's that's pretty much what we're about. So <laughs> killing everyone. Is the keeper of the sword then the character that you personify on stage? Because you have the stage show. I, I I feel like I'm rushing. We're gonna get to a lot of this, but I I watched um, a video of one of your live performances. There was a segment there where the song kind of kicked in, and you held up the sword, and it lit up, and then there was like a light show happening. It was pretty impressive, actually. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's what we try and do is like kind of portray the story, and and the story is basically I think it's the same every time, but it's different in a way because. There's good versus evil, moment of need, the keeper of the sword shows up, he bestows the sword to the person in need, and they basically just wipe people out. So then do you envision the series, like the comic series, as being every every issue is a different story where the keeper shows up with the sword, or is it going to follow some characters through multiple issues or I think the main plot of it is that we have a main foe which we haven't revealed yet and there's going to be several episodes where we you know we we meet people bestow the sword they basically kill everyone that's in their way but the main goal is that at the end of the entire series they are basically fighting against this one dark creature the 
the leader of the shadow, and he basically is the bad guy. And we're gonna we're gonna kill this guy in the end, hopefully. Does the sword have the ability to like replicate? Like, is everyone given their own unique magic sword, or is it the same sword every time? Like, literally the same blade. Well, maybe. Without revealing spoilers of where it's going, but if they're gonna fight this dude at the end or thing, uh, are they all gonna be wielding magic swords, or is there still just gonna be the one, and then everybody else has to use like their courage or something? Well. The magic sword adapts to the person who it is bestowed upon. The whole thing about it, and I think what makes it adaptable and, and, and what we really like about the whole project and the story of it is that it is adaptable. You can give it to someone and it helps them to do whatever they need at the moment. You mean in the case that it might not even be a sword or will it always be a sword? No, it could be anything they need. But, like, will it always be a thing that kills people? <laughs> it's like, at, oh, the, at, at this moment, people. I need groceries, and it turns into groceries, but then it still is used <laughs> to murder everybody else I in the like complex. I feel like if someone needs groceries, they're not really in the moment of need. <laughs> <laughs> at least that much. You're, you're missing out on an opportunity to totally ruin the story. What? <laughs> All right, so let's talk a bit about some of uh, some of the music then. So you've done sort of uh, a bunch of remixes, some of them which have quite a few listens. So I just, uh, I mean, I checked out this one just because this one has a ton of listens. It was a, a remix you did uh, for the track uh, Purity Ring. I don't even know how to say their name. Is it Obadir? Uh, yeah, that's how you say it. It's, a, it's not even a real word. So how did that come about? Well, I mean, that wasn't an official thing. I didn't talk to those guys and get, and and do the remix for them. I just I was kind of goofing around one day with that track and I I really like the song and so I started playing around with it and I finished it up and just put it out there and and a couple blogs picked it up and it did pretty well and people got into it but I don't even think they're aware of it yet. Hopefully they don't get too mad. Well, people seem to really like it. I mean, it got a lot of plays. Yeah, it did it did pretty well. I I was actually pretty surprised. So you are like the head of Magic Sword. You're the dude who comes up, you know, with the tunes, and I'm assuming. But when I saw your live show, there was other people there on stage. I think it's definitely a collective of a few people. I definitely write the music, but 
I think there's so much more that goes into it than just that. You know, there's a guy who does, his name's Shay Plummer, who is, is a really accomplished comic book artist. And he's done a lot of great things with like Dark Horse Comics and DC and tons of others. And he's a really, really phenomenal artist. And I'm, I'm really lucky to work with him. But he does all the artwork for the comic. And he also is really influential, I think, in the music. He, you know, we kind of just sit around and brainstorm about ideas and come up with concepts for storylines and stuff like that. And then we have our guitar player who, who doesn't really work on the record that much as far as writing, but he writes all the live stuff and he's just a great improv guitarist. And we also have a visual artist who does all of our live show, like the lights and the projections. And he kind of just takes everything that we've come up with and just pulls the shit out of his ass and comes up with the really cool stuff that looks really awesome live. I think basically we just all make it up as we go and it just works out. But I don't know. I'm just fortunate to know a lot of these people who just get the project. You know, we're just trying to be silly and, and, and do this whole fantasy synth thing. And, and all these guys just happen to really, really be into it. And it just works out. So who is, um, I saw this name associated with stuff too. Some dude called Chris Hunt. When I first came up with Magic Sword, I had about two or three songs, and I had this concept. I'm like, I want to do this thing called Magic Sword. It's going to be this fantasy thing, and I think it's going to be so great. So I, I was talking to my buddy about this who just happened to be like a bartender, and he's like, you got to talk to this guy who comes in all the time. He's a comic book artist. So I go and talk to him, and he's just like, yeah, let's, let's I, I love the idea. Let's talk about it. And he drew up a three-page short based on one of those tracks. And then he introduced me to this guy named Shay, who Shay is the actual guy who does all the comic book stuff now. Okay. Chris, Chris is no longer involved, but I think he kind of set the whole like art versus music thing in motion. So then how many people right now are sort of involved? I'd probably say four. I mean, I guess when you get the album and you're just listening to it at your house, then there's only really two people, and that's me and Shay. But if you go to a show, there's four or five people involved. You know, I think normally those people wouldn't necessarily be noteworthy, but in this case, they are noteworthy just because of the amount of time and passion that they put into it. I think if you were to go to one of our shows, I think you'd probably see, like, we put a lot of effort into that, I think, more so than anything else. It's it's a really important aspect of it for us. Like, is there more than one show that's been, like, recorded or there's clips on YouTube? Because I saw the one. Uh, was that, like, a music festival? Yeah, I think the most recent one was a music festival. Is the dude doing the lights and stuff? I mean, did you guys, like, rehearse this? And, and if you did, like, where? I mean, how do you do that exactly? You know, what we do is we come up with a predetermined set of what we're going to do, and we'll kind of, like, break it down for them and say, okay, these are the songs we're going to do, and this is kind of the vibe we're going for, and then he'll kind of base it on that initial set, and then we'll also tell him, like, you know, there's going to be some improv in there and, and he has to kind of be ready to just like base his visuals upon that. And we try and keep it along that basis. But at the same time, like whenever he does video live, he, he does it through MIDI controllers. So he's he's triggering things live so he can always kind of like jump on things based on what we're doing. But I mean, overall, I think we have like a, a basic template that we kind of give him in the beginning and then he just kind of freestyles it at the end. What is the Tree Fort Music Festival? Was that one of the ones you played? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a local music festival that yeah, it's re it's a really cool festival actually. They 
it's kind of a South by Southwest kind of style festival. So, you know, you can come into downtown Boise, Idaho, and you can buy a pass and you can go to like 30 different, 40 different venues and just go see different bands throughout the night. I think it's four days. It's just a really cool thing. It really focuses on independent music in Treefort. You can see all these really big up and comers. It's been, it's probably one of my favorite festivals just because you see all these indie artists who are really, really solid, but also kind of on the, under the radar. You've kind of heard of them, but maybe you haven't. And they're always really solid. It, it, it's a really good time. And, and it, I think for us, especially, we've got to get a lot in front of a lot of people just because we're local and there's a lot of people there. So it's been a really fortunate experience for us because we can, you know, we can play in front of a thousand people and not have, you know, any reputation really. And that, yeah. I think that's how we broke out. We were nobodies. And the, the director of the festival was like, hey, you guys should do your debut show at this festival. And I'm like, all right, let's try it out. And we ended up playing in front of like six, seven hundred people, our very first show, and it ended up working out really well. I don't think that could happen anywhere else. Did you get nervous? I pooped a little, actually. <laughs> On stage? Yup. And backstage. <laughs> yeah, I was really nervous. Because it was one of those moments where we were actually backstage with me and, and Shay, the comic book artist, and I was just like, you know, we're either going to really kill this or make huge asses of ourselves. And that's why it's great that you guys are all in costume. Yeah, right? So nobody knows who we are. <laughs> but yeah, I figure, you know, if, if you're making that big of a risk, it can either go really well or really, really horribly. I think you're probably doing something right. Yeah, and it looked great. I mean, if that's the one that the, the clips were from, I don't know if it was, but it looked like a pretty impressive live show and the people seem to be digging it. Yeah, we've had a good response. We've been really fortunate and... I can't complain. Let's talk about some Magic Sword tracks now here. Tell me a bit about, let's see. They're all they're all uh, really good. So tell me about Sword of Truth, which is a cool song.
That's one of my favorites, actually. So, what do you want to know? Well, <laughs> now you're putting me on the spot. No, I don't know. You know what's uh, what, we know what's it about, man? What was the genesis of the track? Was this like one of the first ones? What was it inspired by? What's your favorite TV show? I think everything on the record was inspired by visual moments in film, as far as my perception goes. But that track just reminds me of an inspirational moment in a film, like a guy standing on a cliff in front of like a huge horde or a huge army and just raising the sword, like, you know, like a Braveheart moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Epic moment. And I think that's what it meant to me. Like, I, I, and I kind of picture that stuff whenever I write a song. It's like, this is what's happening in my mind. So this is the soundtrack to that moment. That epic battle moment. And what is your favorite TV show? My, fa- my favorite TV show. <laughs> I'm not going to let these questions go by, man. This is gold. This is interview gold. Uh, that's a tough one. Um, well, how about gosh. what's one you like? Cause I mean, I couldn't even do... I mean, I could tell you my favorite, but I mean, uh, if I had to do like a, a top five... I'm not a big fan of rankings. You know, people just like, oh, what's your favorite song or whatever? It's just like, well, you know, every day could be a different thing, but there's a a list, certainly. I mean, right now, like, my favorite's Game of Thrones, of course, but... Yeah. Did you just watch um, that fucking episode? Yeah. Okay, no spoilers, (laughs) no spoilers, because I'm I'm an adamant non-spoiler guy. But I'm going to say that that is the most horrific death. I still, (laughs) I still have that image in my head. As much as everyone wants to talk about the events of... Season three, episode nine. I think I'm more traumatized by the way that that character was removed from the show last week. Especially like the up closeness. Oh, it was so gross. Just if anybody wants to know what we're talking about, we're talking about season four, episode eight, which just had a very visceral death scene that was so awful. And the character, I really (laughs) liked him too. I liked him. I was like, no, I mean, that's. That's par for the course with Game of Thrones. Is Yeah, I think even if you've read the books, which I have, it didn't prepare you for that. Yeah, it was gross. Yeah, awful. But yeah, that's a great show. But, um, you know, to be honest, I've been on a family ties kick lately. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Where do you watch family ties? You got that on Hulu Plus? Oh, man, that's on... It's on Netflix, isn't it? Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, ca- uh, Canadian Netflix is... A- <laughs> <laughs> I love when I end up saying these same things with people, just totally uninteresting stories, but Canadian Netflix uh, has less content than American Netflix. We've got uh, digital right laws complications. Well, at least you got healthcare. Yeah. It's a, it, it's a nice trade-off. We can, <laughs> we, we can have better Netflix or uh, healthcare. Well, yeah, I don't know. I, I caught it on uh, like TBS or something the other, you know, a few weeks ago. And I'm like, I've got to go back and check out Family Ties. And it's it stands the test of time. I love that. <laughs> it's so good. Well, I love Michael J. Fox, man. He's a he's a charismatic dude. He never loses it for sure. But that's it. Game of Thrones for me currently. Oh, and uh, True Detective. Yeah, I still got to watch that, man. I've got him ready to watch. It's good. It's interesting for sure. I love I just love great TV. Even with movies, like I like sequels. I don't like that most sequels aren't that good, but I like sequels. You know, I just, I'd, I'd like to just see the further adventures of characters. Mm-hmm. And that's why I just love how that TV is so good now. 
that you have that sort of cinematic level of quality and you get to still follow the adventures of characters. I mean, Game of Thrones is probably a bad example of that because a lot of the people you like end up uh, going away. Everyone dies. <laughs> yes, but... spo- spoiler alert to anyone who hasn't seen it, everyone dies. Anytime people don't like Game of Thrones, it, it throws me a bit. <laughs> I'm just like, don't you appreciate how this show excels on like every fucking level you know like it it's like the best looking tv show it sounds great like the score is great the acting across the board is really great like i don't think there's been a single performance in that show that i thought was bad like there have been some people who are like not as good as other people but there's never been like a moment where i'm like well that was some bad acting Nope. And the the writing's always awesome. The, the story's interesting. Like, it's got these shocking moments that fucking stick with you when the episode's over. Like, it's just all around awesome. No, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> now, I think overall TV right now is too good, to be honest. Like, I feel like there's too many good shows. Like, everyone I talk to is like, have you watched Breaking Bad? Have you watched Sons of Anarchy? Have you? I'm just like, look. I have a job. Yeah. <laughs> I got I got too much shit to do. Yeah, like there is so much stuff. I mean, it's it's how I sort of felt towards the end of like now that I have a PS4, but towards the end of last generation, there got to be just too many like AAA games that were also like just really highly rated to the point where I just started there's just ones I just couldn't play. Like there's just too many. Mm-hmm. And then I just kind of got overwhelmed. Like I never played like the Bioshock games really all the way through. There's just those games that, you know, that just sort of passed me by that I know were like critically acclaimed. I'm like, looks and there's too many fucking games. Now it's sort of the opposite, right? Like when you start a new generation and like I have a PS4 and then there's like nothing to play for like two months. And I hear you there. I've been getting into Watch Dogs lately. That's pretty good. It's been pretty stale, though, in the beginning. Yeah, Watch Dogs is good, though. I think it's getting fairly reviewed. I think some people are being harsh because of the hype. But all in all, like, I love open world games. Like, those are always my favorites. And uh, Watch Dogs is a pretty good open world game. Like, the city's interesting. There's a lot to do. I mean, that's all you can really ask for. And it plays well. Uh, I've been all about Sparkle. The hell is Sparkle? (laughs) It's a game. You should check it out. I'm actually being totally serious. It's so addicting. It was like a puzzle game, like a Tetris kind of a thing where you shoot these balls and you have to like, anyway, check it out. (laughs) I'd like to keep talking about this. It's called Sparkle. (laughs) I want you to explain something here about your music and some of the remixes you've done. Okay. Because there was two that you did with another dude. Mm Mm-hmm. So how does that work? Because I, I think there's one Adventure Galley, and it says Magic Sword and Noah Hyde Remix. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Yeah, he's just a buddy of mine. We just kind of like collaborate on some stuff, mainly just remixes. We have very different styles, um, but we seem to work well together. So it kind of just, you know, sometimes he'll get a remix or I'll get a remix available and just be like, I don't know what to do on this thing. You know, let's collaborate on this and we'll just kind of go for it and come up with a remix together and a lot of times we'll just kind of like pass ideas back and forth and then kind of come up with the final product there's a a track called adventure galley and there's a track called gold which one's your favorite of the ones that you've done of those remixes oh yeah gold i think yeah i think that might be my favorite one that was a really fun one um that was like for the this guy named uh Wake Owl. And I think the reason that one was probably so fun is just because that guy's like an acoustic singer-songwriter thing. You like, if you check out the original track, it's just so different from 
the remix and and we just had so much fun creating something from that it was just so different than anything else usually when people approach us with a remix it's usually something that's already kind of electronic based or kind of in the same vein and so to get something that is completely out there mm-hmm. to us i think that that adds a lot of like fun to it so had a good time on that one So then how would you define, because you say this Noah chap is sort of different from your style. So like, how do you explain like what you each bring to a remix, like what you each kind of do? Well, I think he's a little more, I mean, a lot of the stuff that he does is definitely like a little more dancey, funky, I guess. And I like to do things a little more, a little darker and and more cinematic. So I kind of like the result that happens when we work together, a combination of the two styles. We've done a few things where it actually just absolutely didn't work and we just kind of bagged the whole idea. But when it does work, I really like the result. I'm still sort of interested in sort of the Magic Sword comic book idea. So... When you're going through, I mean, like, do you have a lot of issues sort of planned and then you're just kind of waiting on Shay, right, uh, to do, like, the artwork? Or, or are you sort of taking it, like, kind of one issue at a time, but you have, like, a basic structure? 
Uh, like how, how much specifically do you have planned? Put it that way. Well, I guess planned as a whole, we have the entire story planned from beginning to end. We've already like sat, we've had many, many nights drinking, deciding what we're going to do for the entire story. So we have like, you know, the entire timeline is already set up. We know where we're going to end up and we know where the story's taking us. But as far as each issue, it really is kind of like a collaboration in the sense that I'll write a few tracks and then he'll kind of give me some visual content based on that stuff. Or maybe I'll even send him like a few 60 second clips of just some ideas I've had and then he'll send me back some some sketches of things and, and then I'll I'll write some music based on what he has and then he'll come up with a storyboard of a certain section and we don't really have like a, a specific way that we do it it's just kind of like we fly by the seat of our pants and just bounce ideas off each other and sometimes you know the majority of the inspiration comes from the music and then sometimes the majority comes from the imagery. So is your plan then to have some sort of music to always accompany each comic book or do you want the comic to sort of take on a life of its own and and the music will be set because i know in this particular release there is that track where you've got the little girl whispering about how she's gonna get the magic sword and kill them all i don't know if it's spoiler yeah. to anybody who hasn't heard the track but uh, so in that case that relates specifically to that storyline you were talking about right i think that's a tough question in a way because we don't really have any limitations or anything like that on what it's going to be. Wherever things lead us, we just go. So I think the way this thing started versus the way it is now is completely different. So I think we just kind of like fly by the seat of our pants. And right now we're just writing some stories and making some music and hopefully it, people like it. And if not, then we'll just be hanging out by ourselves <laughs> making, making stories. <laughs> but yeah, I think the main goal is to is to complete the story over several issues with music and comic books. And and we have a lot of different ideas about what we want to accomplish with that and things I won't really say, but I think that if we had, if we had the budget, we would do a lot more than just music and comics. So do you, do you envision possibly there could be like a chapter of this story that is only told through music? Because I understand what you're saying. You have sort of a blueprint or an outline for here's what the entire story is, kind of like what they said they did with Lost, but it was clearly a lie. And then <laughs> and then <laughs> editorializing. And then within that, say, you know, you guys are writing stories and all of a sudden it comes to you, hey, wouldn't, wouldn't a story be cool about, you know, like a barbarian or something? Even though you never had that in your mind at the start, you know what the basic outline is but then it allows you room to just kind of fuck around and just come up with stories that you know would fit within your outline? In a way. Or do you literally have in your head, like, do you have, there's going to be a story about a little girl, there's going to be a story about a witch, there's going to be, you know, like, like, do you have it that specific when you say your story outline, or does, are you allowed that breathing room? I think we're allowed some breathing room, although I don't think we'll ever veer from the visual and music aspect. I don't think that you'll ever see a record where there wasn't a comic book or there wasn't some type of visual aspect. How the media is delivered may change. We have a lot of different ideas that way. Like right into our brains. Yeah, exactly. Telepathy is, is something we're working on. <laughs> you know, the story itself is def it has some 
some, I guess, some wiggle room, but overall I think the visual and music part will never probably change. We'll always have the two included together, but they'll just be subject to change slightly over the years. Well, speaking of the music, let's talk about my favorite song, which is In the Face of Evil. Yeah. Which is a fucking kick-ass fucking song. I love this. I had this conversation, I think it was with... uh, arc neon but sometimes there's some music and i don't mean this in a negative way that you can have like a simple tune but just played you know at that right speed with like the right set of instruments and it just becomes like fucking magic like in the face of evil i wouldn't necessarily it's not like a super complex you know uh melody no but it's just so awesome like that, I fucking love that song. Like I listened to it. Like I, I, I said this when we weren't recording, but like I've listened to that song on repeat. I walk around listening to that song, just imagining like just sort of fantasy realms and stuff, because that is what it reminds me of. I picture like Golden Axe style shit, and uh, just it's such a cool song. Whoa. That's all. I, <laughs> I love when I, 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 I become Chris Farley in that skit because I don't really <laughs> use a lot of complex music terms. When I, when I describe something I like, so I just end up going like, and that fucking song is real fucking good, man. You know, it's just good. I love it. <laughs> anyway, talk to me about that song. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Um, yeah, man, shit. Thank you. It's so good.
gosh, that was a tough one, actually. I had I had kind of come up with the initial, like, the intro to that track, and I sat on it for months. I was just sitting on it, like, just listening to it and listening to it. I was like, I really like the way this, this kind of sounds, and I don't really know how to make this song cool. Like, I literally sat there for, a few, like, months, just like, how the hell am I going to finish this thing? Like, it's cool, but it's not that cool and then finally like one day i was listening to it over and over again i was like this is it and I called my brother over he came over and uh played a bunch of guitar over the top and then it was done poof <laughs> you uh you're, you're happy about it though like it's a cool song i like it i, I really do in fact this record uh, you know the first track was written at the end of 2011, and the last track was w- written at the end of 2013. It's a very long process, and from concept to finality was a long and excruciating journey of like figuring out what we wanted to do, but In the Face of Evil was the last track that was written. Like The reason why it sort of took those years was because you were sort of figuring everything out. Do you imagine it's going to take you this long for future sort of releases, or is it going to be more like now that now we know what we're doing kind of thing? Yeah, I think we kind of were, were trying to really figure out what the, what the hell we were doing. Like We had the concept a few years ago, and you know, it's an interesting thing. I, I, I went to, uh, this is going to sound super cheesy, but I went to a meditation retreat for like 10 days and got all zenned out. And when I came back, had this idea to do this project called Magic Sword. And and everyone, I I told a few friends and they're just like, you're going to call a band Magic Sword? Like they thought I was completely ridiculous. Yeah, "Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I promise. It's going to be really cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we kind of had this idea and then had like a basic concept of it, but didn't really know how to kind of bring it to fruition. And then the music was always kind of I think a sure thing in my mind. I knew that I loved soundtrack music from the films of the 80s, late 70s. And I knew that I wanted that. I loved the feel of that. Mm-hmm. And then I met Chris and Shay and the guys who were doing the comic work. And, and we all of a sudden started brainstorming this like idea. And then kind of came up with a story. And then it just kind of molded into this this thing that was much more than than what we had initially thought. And so I think it kind of took those two years, not necessarily to write the songs, but to kind of like finalize what we were all about. We have a specific story we want to tell, and this is how we want to tell it. And once we figured that out, then writing the rest of the songs really became kind of easy. Can we talk a bit more about meditation camp? I had always kind of been a little bit interested in that that type of like Eastern philosophy meditation buddhism and stuff like that i I always kind of like the idea of it but never really tapped into it or whatever but um i had a good friend who had gone to this thing called vipassana he came back from a retreat it was like 10 days of just zero contact with the outside world no talking like a vow silence meditating for like 10 hours a day and just a crazy thing, and I thought it was so completely insane that he did that. And he kept telling me about it, and I thought it was a great idea, and, and finally he convinced me to go, so I, I went ahead and went. And, you know, just had kind of a lot of realizations throughout the whole process, personal and, and, and musical and otherwise. And 
when I came back, I kind of just had this idea. And I think there's something funny about allowing yourself to sort of go into your mind and then come back and, all right, so there's this little girl and she gets a sword and she kills a... <laughs> <laughs> and she kills everyone. <laughs> everyone, now, though. That, everyone. That part, that part didn't come out of the meditation. <laughs> <laughs> When I came back, I was very peaceful. I've always been curious about those sorts of things. Does somebody else, like, prepare meals? Like, if you guys aren't talking, I don't get it. Really, I just don't get it. Like, so is it literally like you're walking around, there's a bunch of other people around there, and they're not talking? Yep. So then where does the food come <laughs> from? Like, where does it, if, like, if someone says, like, I got to go take a shit, you just sort of, where's the can? Like, <laughs> someone's got to tell you, right? It's not like you're out in the woods and you're peeing on trees or whatever. Mm. It's like it's like a retreat. There's a camp. You go and you have rooms and stuff. And All the more reason to know where that bathroom is. Yeah. So you go there and, and they kind of give you an orientation. This is this is what's going on and, and here's what to expect. Starting at this point right here, 9 o'clock this time, vow silence and this is what happens. Turn in your cell phones and... This is kind of what's going to happen, and meal times are, you know, you have a schedule, and, and, and you're served meals, and then you just go through this schedule for 10 days. And Do you get, like, kicked out if you talk to somebody? The idea of not talking seems crazy to me. I don't know. I mean, it didn't happen to anyone, but um, I think if you probably disrupted the other people, you probably would get kicked out. What if you laugh? I did hear a few people laugh. There was actually a lot of farting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just asking all these questions on my behalf because I know like if I went to meditation camp, that's the first thing. It's just I'd just look around at all the funny people and I would just start laughing. And if people were farting and you're supposed to be quiet and just fucking bam, like I would just be laughing my ass off. It's really difficult. No, so what happens is like men and women are like separated. You have like different sides of the area. Yeah, so you're separated. So each... Each person has a roommate. So I had a roommate. We kind of introduced ourselves to each other. And then, you know, we talk for a few minutes and then we go to the, you know, the initial orientation. And then from that point, we don't really talk. Talk to this guy for a, for a few minutes and then I didn't talk to him for the rest of the time. This guy literally had like night terrors. Oh, no. He would yell and scream in his sleep. But he was, like, beating people up. Shit. So I'm, like, you know, I'm meditating, you know, getting all peaceful. and So, so that dude was there for a reason. You know, 5 o'clock in the morning. I'll fucking kick your ass. <laughs> I'm just like. Sorry, I know it's not funny. Like, if I was there. Up, no, it's hilarious. I was waking up in the middle of the night. And, you know, I'm not supposed to be talking. So I finally go over there. I'm just like, hey, hey, dude. Shut the fuck up. Are you okay? <laughs> He ended up leaving after, like, the third day because he couldn't hang, but, yeah, it's a weird thing. Because I've never seen that in adults. Like, my son has had night terrors a few times, and uh, it's a really stressful occurrence because I, I didn't have those as a kid. Like, I had nightmares, like, normal ones, like normal people, but when, I don't know if you've ever experienced it, when, I, when a kid does it, it's like, they're just in this fucking nightmare and they're sort of awake and they're yelling and there's nothing you can do to calm them. Yeah, dude. With a, with adults, I couldn't imagine. Like, if there's a fucking full-on adult just going like, ah, fuck you! You know, you'd just be like, oh my god, like, I'd have to just meditate. You mentioned, like, 70s kind of 
80s sort of style things where you get your influence, but you do use a lot of um, sort of modern sounding. Like, uh, for instance, like I hear sort of uh, influences. I don't know if this is intentional, but with the with artists like Justice and stuff, mm-hmm. I kind of hear a bit of that in your tunes. That track Infinite, I hear a bit of Kavinsky in there. I, I definitely hear like the influence of that fantasy thing. And what I love about your music is that's what it conjures in my head. But also there is obviously like a, a modern... I always use these same terms all the time, but you know, like a modern fidelity, like there's definitely like techniques you use in your song that are very sort sure. of modern that, that conjure up those kind of, those things. Talk, talk to me a bit about like a track like Infinite, for example. Yeah. You know, I think that was the goal. Like I loved that retro sound for sure. Like it just holds so much nostalgia for me. So like to have that inspire me, I think it's just so natural because I just love it so much. But I also really, really love electronic music. I love to pull from both of them and I also just love the interesting sounds that a lot of people come up with nowadays. Like I'm not like a huge Skrillex fan, but the sounds that that guy makes, I like I'm just fascinated by it. Like I think it's just such a, a weird cool thing. Mm-hmm. And I just love what people are doing with modern day synthesis. So I like to incorporate as much as I can and kind of like bring the best of both worlds if I can into the music. But yeah, I'm definitely influenced by like more modern synth. With software these days, I think it's a lot easier to kind of do that. Everyone's doing vintage emulations of classic synths, and it just makes it really easy to kind of like combine both those worlds.
Talk to me about the custom Magic Sword Longboard deck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Because that's a real thing, right? That's a real thing. I'm, look I'm looking at it right now, actually. I have some friends here in town that actually have a pretty successful, like, longboard company. They're called Sibs Longboards, and uh, they actually make these kick-ass longboards. And we're talking one day, and they're like, oh, let's make a, let's make a Magic Sword long Longboard deck. And I'm like... Are you serious? They're like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So they totally made one and had someone like hand paint it and everything. And I think we're gonna end up like doing some kind of contest at some point and giving this thing away. But it's a solid deck. Like I think anybody who gets it should ride the shit out of it. <laughs> you should definitely like take some video uh, in the full on like the keeper outfit. <laughs> Just ride it, ride it around. All right. Because <laughs> that'd be amazing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, will will do. So, when you're at meditation camp, <laughs> I never, I never should have brought that up. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like this is going to define the whole interview. No, it's interesting to me, man, because I definitely need to relax. But I just, I just feel like I would laugh my ass off and I would be kicked out. I don't know if I'd have night terrors like that dude, but let me tell you something about meditation camp. It is the most miserable experience I've ever had in my life. <laughs> And I'm not kidding. The the most miserable and also the best at the same time. Ooh, two sides of the coin. Two-faced. Awful. It was horrible. In what way? Like, just that it was boring? You don't actually know what's happening in your head until you're forced to, like, confront it. Mm. And then all of a sudden you realize, like, oh my god, what if something happens to my daughter? Or what if my dog dies? Or what if, you know, like, all these things start happening, like, running through your head. You, know, you can't, like, jump on your cell phone and be like, hey, is the dog okay? Or, like, you're forced to face all these, like, crazy things that you didn't realize were happening in your brain. Right. And it's awful. But then you overcome it, right? Sometimes. <laughs> That's the, is that the goal of the camp? When I got done with it, I was completely enlightened. I was floating all around. I was transcending everything that ever happened. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I never wanted to go back. So uh, in a way, meditation camp was your magic sword. Yes. I'm Andy Last. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. You perfected it. Yeah. <laughs> Done. often go into these these conversations with preconceived notions but i always find that there's always something about somebody that because to me it's like i love the music but that's almost secondary to me in this show i think that disappoints some people <laughs> i'm never really sitting around asking questions just like what do you what do you set your compressor at 10 <laughs> <laughs> that's for all you producers out there oh sorry wait 11 spinal tap reference yeah <laughs> Anybody who wants to know anything I use, they can email me and I'll tell them everything. <laughs> Did you record it in Dubly? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, so on that point, so there's always something about somebody that just catches my interest. And to me, it's just like, look, the music's cool. Like, I talk to people whose music I like, so that's... Yeah. We've already established that much. I like the music of Magic Sword. But if someone tells me they go to meditation camp... Meditation camp sounds so cheese dick. Like, <laughs> say, something, say something cooler, like... How about we call it the Temple of Doom? Med meditation Temple. I don't know. Come up with something cool. Don't call it Meditation Camp, because it sounds like I shove a flute up my pussy. Like, I don't want that.
I'm just saying. Well, man, we've been <laughs> we've been talking for about an hour. Do you have something you want to talk about, like uh, something coming up or things to look forward to? Technically, the record isn't even out yet. Here's kind of the fucked up thing, dude. I put the record out there, and I was like, going to do all these things. And I was talking, you know, tell the guys from Telefuture, like Steve Jenkins. We, I was talking with him, and we are going to put the record out on Telefuture, and then... Um, I had some offers from like some pretty decent sized record labels and, and we were in negotiations. So I talked to Steve and I was like, look, dude, I got to kind of pursue this. Nothing ever happened. So then shit got pushed back on the back burner and, and then I just put it out, you know, just physical copies only on my website. Anyway, so finally we're working out something with this regional record label that has really good distribution here. So we're going to put it out soon. But it actually has never even been put out, which is so totally confusing to everybody, right? Isn't it uh, like on the magicsword.com? Like I, I listened to it before you sent me the... You can hear it, but you can't download it. You can buy it physically, although not anymore because it's sold out. And now we're redoing the whole thing. We're revamping the whole thing. New comic book. We're redoing the comic book. It's going to be better than ever. And we're putting it out in a completely new packaging. And so do you, do you ever intend on having like a band camp for Magic Sword? Probably not because we're going to do it the full board like Spotify, iTunes, record label thing. And right. We're, we're, sign, we're going to sign on with the record label here. We already did, but that'll come out at the end of this year. And so, you know, this record that's taken forever and everybody's already heard what will finally come out and everyone will be so excited. Right? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to run around, do a bunch of shows and do some touring and try and promote it and then we'll see what happens. Cool. Anyways, man, we should probably wrap this up. Yeah, dude, thank you so much. I mean, I think I think it was cool and, and I really appreciate it. And hopefully you don't make me sound like a total jackass because I can tend to do that. No, it's all good, man. It'll it'll be a, it'll be a lot of fun. But it was uh, nice talking to you. For sure. And I'm a fan of your work, and I look forward to the further adventures of the Magic Sword, or at least the beginning of the journey, because I guess I have a pre-release <laughs> of the album. Yeah, right. So you and a couple other people. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. In fact, we actually have most of the re next record written. I think after this one officially comes out, you'll see another release shortly after. Cool, man. Well, dude, thank you again. I really appreciate it. It was awesome talking to you. All right, you too, buddy. Take care. Alrighty, that was Magic Sword. Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember all that stuff I told you at the start of the show? Well, do it. Like the Facebook, the fucking Twitter, the SoundCloud, all that stuff. And remember to check out our sponsors, which was Ghost's new EP, which is coming out soon. But in the meantime, you can follow Ghost on Facebook and the debut album by Midwave. So remember to check those things out, tune into the next episode, and I will catch you on the flip side. I, I don't have a catchphrase. I need a catchphrase. I can't really use that one because that's just taken from Boondock Saints. Um, see, ah, fuck this. See you next time, guys.